Romans 8.28 is what's been coming in my heart and my mind so much lately. So much. All things are not good. When we're in the time of orientation, we think good is done because we got a paycheck. We think good is because we have a wife that obeys us or a husband that mows the lawn. We think good is that we have a secure job or own a house. We got a cool car or clothes. That's not what good is. It would be mockery to say that that's what it is. All things are not good. I'm going to expect you guys to join in in a minute. The death of a child is not good. Cancer ain't good. Drug addiction is not good. War is not good. Divorce is not good. Blasphemy is not good. But what the Bible says is, we know, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The first word there is, and, amen? Pastor Stevan will tell you what the word therefore is. When you see the word therefore, you have to see what it's there for. And I'm going to tell you it's, it's a hinge that leads to a conclusion. In other words, there's something on one side of the door that will hinge you to the other side of the door that's conclusion. When Paul uses the word therefore, usually he'll break down a doctrine and then he'll hinge it over therefore and he'll lead to an application. In other words, he'll break the word down and he'll say, look it, beloved, this is what you should do because of that. He'll arrive at the conclusion, which is usually an application, but the word and is not a therefore. And usually a but or a however leads to a contrast. You see, everything would be white, but it's black. That's a contrast. And the word and is not a contrast. The word and is a continuation. It means you're saying this, uh, Sister Gloria and Sister Bev, and Sister Chella and Pastor Esteban. You see, I'm continually naming the people right there. And is a continuation. And Romans 8 starts with the word and. So he's continuing to say a statement that is continuing the statements prior of. Are you with me? Well, try to hang on. I want to preach like a Baptist, but one that's saved. But something tells me that there has to be some teaching going on. I mean, I've been battling. And I don't want to joke because this is serious business. So I want to talk to you serious. And all through Romans, Paul starts in verse 8. He says that there is therefore now no condemnation. Before that, he's talking about how the battle was sin in the flesh and in the mind. And then he continuously starts talking to her. In verse 18, he says, for I reckon that the suffering endured here cannot compare. Then he starts talking about the need in the office of the Holy Spirit and how we don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit will intercede for us on our behalf, and we know. Something happens after you allow the Holy Spirit to pray for you to reach this knowledge. 
But Paul is banking on that we know. Paul is banking on that you and I know something. I don't want to get too ahead of things. You see, in the chemistry of the cross, God takes things that by themselves aren't good, and he gets other things that might not be good. But when he puts them together, he produces good. Amen? In themselves. They might be harmful. Mixes that could make different medicines. You see, uh, 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 that word, uh, um, uh, 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 all things and all that, uh, synergy and all that comes from there. But I don't want to break all that down. But let me tell you about salt. Salt is in your tables, correct? Most of us have salt. And it consists of two chemicals. What are they? Sodium and chloride. And if you isolated each one of those uh, ingredients or so, what are they? They're poison. Sodium's poisonous and chloride is poisonous. But you mix them together and you get salt. And we all like salt, a little salt. As a matter of fact, everybody needs a little salt in our lives. God can take things that are bad and he can put them in the crucible of his wisdom and thoughts and love. Crucible is a thing that you mix different things to make something. And that's what God's mind is. And when he comes out of it, he works it together for the good and he gives us a glorious, wonderful promise that he will do this. See, Romans 8, 28 is a promise. And it's something that we all got to know. We know that we have victory over sin. And we all know that we have victory over Satan. But what Romans tells us here is that we have victory over our circumstances. That is good news. We know that we have victory over sin and Satan. But we got to know that we have victory over our circumstances. You might be going through something right now that ain't good. And you might have gone through something that ain't good. And you're about to go through something that ain't good. But you got to know that God will produce something good out of everything. Every man. I want to look at five things about Romans 8. There's a certainty about this promise. You see, the verse begins with and, and I broke that down. You see, he was talking about suffering. And he was talking about the office of the Holy Spirit. And now he's telling you, and in continuation of that, there's a promise that God makes. And we know, it says. It says that we know, and that's a certainty. It doesn't say that this is a conjecture. It doesn't say that this is a happenstance. It doesn't say that perhaps. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say we hope. It says that we know. This is ironclad, man. It's concrete. It's not liquid. It ain't never going to change. If God puts his stamp on it, you can take it to the bank, Beretta. It's a for sure thing. We have a hard time believing and standing on God's promises 
because we have too many past histories of people burning us or us burning people. But it's God's promises that we have to learn to stand on. It's God's promises that we have to know. It's those promises, my friend, that are going to produce what God wants to produce. You see, here he's talking to believers. Here he's not talking to disbelievers. People that have gone through suffering, no. People that have had the intercession of the Holy Spirit praying on their behalf, no. You see, he came to this conclusion or this and, this continuation from prior things. And he's saying, through these sufferings and through the intercession of the Holy Spirit. And then he continues to say, and we know that all things work for good. You see, we know. If you're not knowing, it's okay. It's okay. But we got to go through the suffering to get there. Hold on. Hold on. It's not a hope and it's not a vague opinion. Sometimes it looks like God's plans are drifting away. Amen. How many of you have heard God's plans in your life? Then it looks like they're slipping away. Looks like things aren't happening to make that happen. Looks like things are actually going the opposite direction. They look like they're receding away. They look like they're drifting away. But God, you made me a promise. Why is this happening? Well, it happens in God's time. And his plan is always high tide. You can be certain we live by his promises. The certainty of God's promises. The completeness. The second thing is completeness of his promise. We know that all things work for the good. That's a big promise. But it's there and it's absolutely certain. God is a teacher who, by our standards, seems strange at times. You see, Pastor Esteban has taught this and taught this and taught this. That school will give you the lesson, then the test. God gives you the test, and you get the lesson as you go through it. Huh? It don't make sense, but that's how God is. He gives you the lesson after the test. We learn through our affliction, folks. We learn through our affliction. Think about Joseph in the Bible. Think about the terrible things that happened to Joseph in the Bible. He was treated evilly by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold as a slave. He was lied about and accused of rape. And then he languished in prison. But Joseph, as he looked back, said something that is much like Romans 8.28. He said, as for you, you thought, evil against me but God meant it unto good to bring the past as it is this day to save much people alive amen follow because the third thing is the cause of the promise we know that all things work together for good we know that all things work together for good but don't get the idea 
that things inherently and in of themselves automatically work for good. The Greek scholars will tell you that in this verse, we know that God works all things together for good. In the letter to Ephesians, Paul clarifies this point. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. If there were not a God in glory, there would not be a promise of Romans 8. God is not dead. God is alive. God is working in you and me. And God will continue that work until the return of Jesus Christ. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Tell your neighbor that God has a purpose for your life. What happens is we get it twisted what that purpose is. And we get it twisted what we think good is. Amen? He's not sick. He's alive. He's not even worn out or old, Pastor Toby. It's God who made this promise. He is the cause of it. This promise is because of him, and it's going to come to pass because of him. The condition, though, this promise has a condition. Tell your neighbor there's a condition. I'm trying not to joke so hard. Try not to joke, my God. We don't like conditions. We only like the promises. We like to quote promises. We like to misquote promises. We like to define them incorrectly because we like them. But if we really understood them, we wouldn't quote them that way or say them that way because there's a condition usually to most promises. You see, if you behave, Daddy will give you a candy. Huh? If you work all week, you get a check for 40 hours. And God says here that there's a condition that all things work together for good for those. Come on now, this ain't automatic. It's not even oxiomatic, and it's not instamatic, Michael Jackson. The promise has a condition. What is this condition? We know that all things work together for good for those that love God. You know, I had a brother the other day as he was drinking telling me that he loves God and that God loves him. And I said, yes, indeed, without a doubt. But what can I do, my friend, to help you get to the plan that God has for your life? You see, the first thing, my friend, is you're going to have to get clean, man. So then you can start hearing the clear voice of God. That way your faith can increase. And therefore you can go from glory to glory and become all that God wants you to be. I want to see you rise up and get in your proper place that God designed when you were born. And before you were born, before you were destined, he had a destination for you. Come on, somebody. If you don't love God, you can't claim this promise. The condition is that we must all be lovers of God. If you hate God, you can't claim this promise. Some people might even be able to sing better. Last night I was with the youth, man. That was a great group. You guys... You guys are uh, inspirational. You guys are, um, you're on the move. Keep it up. But young adults, they inspire. And there was one, there was one sister, they said, don't sing, don't sing, don't sing, don't sing. 
You know, and that, that probably kind of hurt, but you know what? It don't matter, right? don't matter if you can sing good. It don't matter if you can teach good. It don't matter if you can preach good or lead good. It don't matter if you can give more money. What matters here is do you love God? Do you love God? Do you love God? Do you know what love is? Do you know what love is? You see, the Bible tells me if you love me, feed my sheep, he told Peter three times. Then he had to change the word for Peter. He had to go from agape to phileo. But he also said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, he's always giving commandments on how we're supposed to love each other. And he gives us commandments every day. My God has given me commands every day. How about you? He'll say, go back in that room, Greg, and kiss your wife. Go. Go. And then I'll go in and I'll say, hey, honey, I love you. And I walk out and say, I didn't say it. I said, kiss her. God has given us commandments every day, amen? If you love him, keep his commandments and feed his sheep. I don't know about you. I don't want to go too long, but if you ever took care of somebody's kids, it, it's a great honor. <laughs> Sister Chella, stop it. <laughs> the suffering I endured made me better. Putting MTV and Captain Crunch on the table ain't watching them. And it ain't feeding them. You know, you, you take honor in watching kids. You got to see what will be best if that parent, how, how, what educational stuff should you take and what food are imperative and essential to make them grow up healthy and strong and able to live through this life victoriously. You don't just give them anything. You see, feed my sheep has a lot of implement has a lot of stuff in there. So, do you love God? Do you love God? Feed a sheep, and be obedient to His commands when He tells you go over there and feed that stranger that stinks, that is uh, is homeless, that needs to hear the truth about me. Go over there and take the gospel over there to that person that you don't want to talk to, that you got a beef with, that wears a different color than the color that you wear. Go over there and love that person that has hurt you before. Jonah, above all things, love is what pleases God more than everything else. The great commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul, with all thy mind. Then this verse has consequences. The purpose of the promise. Consequences, don't panic, don't run out the door, aren't always negative. This has good consequences. Because of this, there's something that gets produced. It's about those who are called according to his purpose. And what is God's purpose, church? In verses 28 and 29, it says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of the Son. The key is what is good that all things are working together for to make us like 
Jesus. You see, what is good? What is good to God? To make us like Jesus. To make us like Jesus. Not to get us a better job. Not to get us a bigger house. Not to get us a new rib. It's to make us more like Jesus. To make us in the image of his son. To make us more like the firstborn. So that we can be the second, third, and thousandth born. So that we will be sons of God. So that we can be also there where he predestined. You see, a lot of people will take that way out of whack and say that predestination means this and that. The Calvinist and everybody else would twist that all incorrectly. But predestined means this. Uh, if you get in your car and you're going to the conference, men, next uh, uh, month, early the first week, you're destined to go where? Los Angeles. That destination don't change. He's not talking about that there was a certain amount of people set aside to do this. But what is destined for you and I who he foreknew is for us to become more like Jesus Christ. He wants you and I to become more like Jesus Christ. And this process is accomplished through suffering. Uh, this, uh, this process is accomplished through going through stuff, my friend. Uh, you see, Mark went back home because he didn't want to go through the journey to get to where God wanted him to get to. If you want to go to where God wants you to go, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be things that you have to surrender to God but you gotta know something that is gonna make you more like Jesus Christ uh, more loving uh, more understanding uh, more forgiving uh, more acceptable you're gonna look like Jesus when you see Jesus uh, what do you see you see somebody that you can go to with your problems uh, you know he looks like somebody no matter what you're going through no matter what you did he won't condemn you and what this process does is it makes us more like Jesus Christ. Uh, you gotta wanna be there. You gotta wanna arrive there. You wanna get there or you won't go through the journey. You won't go through the suffering. You won't pay the price. Why? Because you haven't determined it from the beginning. So my friend, I'm not gonna lie to you. Bishop Macklin said there's too many people out there telling the lie that, oh, get up here and get saved. It's all going to be hunky-dory. This is the hardest dang thing I ever done. It's the hardest thing I ever done. My God. I remember after I went through my first trial, I said, okay, it's done, right? No, no. And I thought it was a doozy. I looked back, it was this big. Huh? It don't stop, baby. But you got to want to know. You got to know. We know. We know that all this is going to work for good. It's going to make you more like Jesus Christ, man. Whatever you're going through is going to make you more like Jesus Christ. There's too many lies surrounding these scriptures. Check this one now. They say if you're driving down the road and your tire gets a blowout, a person might say, oh, well, you know what the Bible says. All things work together for good, so 
there's probably going to be a tire shop down the road and they're probably going to make a big donation to the church. That's not what it means. <laughs> the good is not to make us necessarily healthy. The good is not to make you happy. The good is not to make you anything. The good is not for you. The good is for God. The good is for God. Tell your neighbor the good is for God. I heard somebody up here talking about selfishness. We need to get out of that. Sooner or later, Eric preached on A Street that we have to go from the crowd to commitment. You know, so new, it's okay. There's a, something here you're checking out, and you're wondering if all this is true. You're wondering if this might be the answer to your struggles. You're wondering uh, 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 something drew you here for some reason, and you're wondering if God and church is the answer. And you're going to arrive at the conclusion that it is if we do our job right and if we point you to Jesus. Because when you meet Jesus Christ, you're going to be left with no other alternative but to believe completely. Once Jesus touches you and once you climb on his lap, he's going to hug you to where you ain't never been hugged like that before. You're going to know that everything you did that he knows and yet he fills you with such a love. He's going to confirm who you are. He's going to strengthen who you really are. And you're going to feel like a baby and you're going to trust holding his hand and you're going to let him grow you and teach you to become a real person of God. But this process is going to be hard. This process is going to have you have to let go of things. This process is going to have to have a re-mindset. This process is going to have to change the heart and remove all the hurt and the pain that you've experienced. Because hurt people hurt people. But the image of God loves people. So he's going to start removing all of this stuff. When I was talking to the youth, we started talking about the purification process of gold. And gold, I used to take gold to a pawn shop. No, I can't joke. I'm sorry. I wasn't supposed to joke. All right. Stop it, Ray. Be real. <laughs> and to mold gold and shape gold, you have to be pure gold, right? You can't shape hardened gold. Gold is, is shapeable, moldable, only in its purest form. Then after you shape and mold it, you add alloys to harden it impurities, other metals to keep its shape. Well, we didn't come into this world all polluted, really. We had sin in our flesh. But during the process from birth to now, or maybe there's some theologies from the garden to now, we have picked up some alloys. We have picked up some alloys that harden us, and God wants to be able to shape us into his image. And during that shaping, my friend, there has to be heat there has to be heat to make these alloys rise up. So you catch yourself being angry. If you catch yourself being jealous. If you catch yourself having where you don't want to love but you got anger to somebody. Those are your alloys rising up because the situation just got hot. And God wants to get those alloys and remove them so we can get shapeable. Where he can shape us into the image of his son. But when the heat is on, the Bible refers to it as suffering. It is suffering. But we have to want the finished product. 
We got to want to be more loving. We got to want to be the image of Jesus Christ. We got to be where we want when people see you, that they see the love of Jesus Christ, a face of understanding, a face of love, a face of acceptance. You see, Jesus Christ showed love on the cross when the people were whooping him, when the people were stabbing him, when the people were mocking him, when the people were doing all that. What did he do? Forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. He had understanding and he had forgiveness. What is love? I'm telling you, there's going to be things that happen to you that you don't deserve. There's going to be persecution that's going to come your way that you don't deserve. All of a sudden, you're going to find yourself in an office of a job and you're going to get fired and you didn't deserve it. You're going to be accused of things that you didn't deserve. But you're going to have the reflection of Jesus Christ on your face. And you're going to understand them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Father. Forgive them. You're going to understand them. You're going to love them. You're going to forgive them. What, Pastor Greg? That guy talked to me negative. I can't let that one slide. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Let this process happen. Let him reveal these things in you and remove them. Amen. Because the finished product, my friend, is for his glory. It's for his glory. It's for his glory. Whatever the circumstances that come to us, we can rely on God's promise. We can rely on God's promise. I don't know about you. I've been here 16 years almost. This time. I don't claim all the others. Okay? Because then ain't nobody here as old as me. <laughs> but this time, because I made a commitment to God. You see, I look at the story that Bishop Macklin was talking about with Paul, Barnabas, and Mark. And Mark turned back, but later he was called back. Okay? So I think maybe he didn't count the cost in the beginning. But how did Paul make it from the beginning to the end? And I think when Paul got saved, he says, Lord, whatever I got to do, I'm down. Ain't no turning back. From the gate, from the gate, he made that commitment. And some of us, we've been here a while, we haven't made that commitment. But just like Mark, it's okay. He got another chance to make that commitment. But I believe that that commitment has to be made sooner or later or we're never going to make the destination or the predestination that God has for you and I which is to go through this suffering so that we could become more like Jesus Christ. Every one of us is somewhere in this process. Every one of us. I've been going through it, beloved, but it's okay. It's okay. I want it. I want it. I don't want to be the same pastor, man. You know what I mean? We grew up together. I don't want it. I don't want to be the same. You know, there's still a lot of junk in me. Huh? I'm going to be honest. I hope that my honesty will inspire you to be honest. Is there still stuff in you that need to come out? Because I don't think this process ends until we take our last breath. But we got to continue being in this process. Some of us are new, and we have that elasticity, elasticity, okay, uh, to where you could be stretched and stuff. You got to keep that. You got to stay where you can grow and always be hungry to grow. But some of us have been around a little bit. 
and you want to position yourself to where you don't want to go through changes no more. You can't pour new wine and old wineskins. As long as new people are going to be coming in here, you got to be stretchable. I said, as long as new people come in here, you got to be stretchable. When you go ahead and take care of some kids. <laughs> You're going to be stretched, and we have to stay stretchable. We have to stay teachable. We have to want more. We have to stay desperate for God. We have to stay desperate for God. If you're going through it and you're getting frustration, well, two things happen with frustration. There will be visitation and there will be revelation. When you get frustrated, that's not good in itself, but let it lead you to your knees. Let it lead you to cry out to God. God, I don't want to leave. I'm not going to leave and I'm not going back and I want to press forward so in desperation, cry out to God. In desperation, cry out to God. And what's going to happen, my friend? He's going to come down, and he's going to love on you, and he's going to show you something. He's going to say it's okay. I want to change you. I want to grow you. You're going to get visited, and you're going to get revelation. Don't let your frustration take you back. Don't let it take you out. Let it take you to your knees. Let it take you to your knees and stay desperate. Don't ever get to where you got to be too cool to be desperate. Don't ever think you got it down, clown. To God, that's probably funny. Look at that guy. He thinks he got it. We got to get closer and closer to God the longer we're here. The knowledge of the need of God got to continuously increase the longer we're here. Amen. Brother E.J. Tears me apart, man. I see a lot of people come that blesses me. I see too many people leaving. I've seen them on the streets back to where they were. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. I don't want to see that no more. I want to see us get committed. I know you have to hit that place, but stop doing circles in the desert. Come on. Learn to live on the promises of God, please. Let him grow you. Let him shape you. Paul says that he has waited out, and nothing can compare to the glory of God. You got to figure it out. Is holding on to things worth it? Is holding on to your pride worth it? Is holding on to your values? Your house ain't going to give you salvation. Your job is not going to give you salvation. As pretty as your spouse might be, women, they can't give you salvation. Only God, Jesus Christ, that is the answer. That is the only answer. That is the only way. Don't let frustration take you to an alternative. Don't let it make you believe in a lie. The truth is that Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only answer to your situation. Your situation is there, my friend, for you to come closer to him. And the outcome is watch him change you. Let him change you. 
Do not do this for yourself, but do it for him. Allow yourself to fall in love with him. That's what glorifies him. That's what pleases him. Live your life to please him. I love that song. It talks about incense. Let incense arise. When I hear that, I'm hearing all of us sacrificing our life to Jesus Christ. That's incense to him. Burn offerings. Sacrifices. Letting everything go. Let's stand. Let's stand. I don't know about you, but I've been going through some struggles. But it's okay. I'm not crying. I'm not dragging my cross. Struggles are good. Struggles are good. Huh? Without them, I wouldn't have one of these on my finger. Without them, I couldn't see the future I see today. You might be going through a struggle, I'm sure. If you're not, well, you just got out of one. Another one's coming. But we got to know that these things work together for good. But we got to know what the good is. Do you want the good tonight? Do you want the goods tonight? Do you want to reflect the image of God? Do you want to be the real child of God? See, right there is broken down salvation. Right there, the true meaning of salvation is broken down, what salvation is. To be a son of God is to be a brother of Jesus Christ, for he was the firstborn of many. And now you want to join in into that kinship and the inheritance of Jesus Christ to glorify him. Come over here with your frustrations. Bring your trials here. Hit your knees and cry out. Hit your knees and cry out. Don't be ashamed of your father. Don't be ashamed. He loves you. He has his arms open. He wants to counsel you and console you. He's here. Let him know that you're struggling. Let him know that you're suffering. Get a hold of him so he can encourage you. Let him know that way he can build you. He can strengthen you.